Hey friends, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm Angela Donatio, and each week I share compelling conversations with leading voices. They encourage us to ground our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. Together we'll make our lives matter no matter what. Here's this week's episode. Cancer touches everyone, and yet churches are often painfully under-equipped. How can cancer be a blessing? And how do we best minister to cancer patients and caregivers? October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month and November is Lung Cancer Awareness Month. And so today on the podcast, I'm sitting down with a cancer survivor himself, Reverend Percy McRae Jr. He's affectionately called Pastor P. And he has spent more than 20 years ministering to cancer patients and their caregivers at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. He now serves as their director of faith-based programs, and he provides leadership to the pastoral care staff at all five hospitals. In addition, he oversees Our Journey of Hope, which is a nationwide cancer care ministry training and support program. And as always, Season 5 is sponsored by AGTS, the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary, and Evangel University. So if God is calling you to take your ministry to the next level, Visit AGTS.edu and learn how the experienced scholars at AGTS can equip and empower you for your Christ-centered service. I'm enrolled right now in their Masters of Leadership and Ministry, and it has been one of the best decisions of my life. And now let's lean in for this conversation with Pastor P. Well, guys, welcome back to the podcast today. I really believe that this conversation is going to be so deeply impacting for each one of us you know and you can look at statistics and see that in a church of 200 people eight people are living with cancer and two more will be diagnosed with it every year and what that tells us is that cancer touches everyone my guest today is a cancer survivor and affectionately known as Pastor P. So I just want to welcome you here to the Make Life Matter podcast it's such an honor to host you today. Oh, it is my privilege to be here. Thank you so very much. And I'm excited as well uh, to share what God is doing in the cancer space uh, with the faith community as we continue to fight the good fight of faith and declare that cancer in many cases, in most cases, is beatable, treatable, and survivable. Mm, well, that's already hope-filled. So we already feel we already feel encouraged by that statement. And so many of us need to, to know that reminder. And this is what you committed your life's passion to. So Part of that includes the fact that you yourself are a cancer survivor. So I would love you to just share a little bit about your story and how this came to be really what God has called you to make your life's mission. Well, indeed, that is true. Over 27, well, close to 27 years ago, I was uh, uh, just graduated from Bible college and uh, had an opportunity to be introduced to an organization called Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Mm. Knew nothing about the organization, had no idea who they were. And uh, by way of really a, a, a godly, divinely led moment, I was introduced to this organization who was looking for uh, a director or manager of pastoral care to work inside of their healthcare facility to provide spiritual support for patients and their caregivers. And so uh, through a, a meeting, um, I sat down, had a conversation, and lo and behold, I was hired. Um, and I was very, uh, I was a little bit hesitant because of my goal and my desire after graduating from Bible college 
was to be a pastor, start my local church. Sure. And um, so the Lord had already kind of redirected me just a little bit right out of the gate, started working for this organization. Again, that's close to 27, going on 27 years ago. Wow. And three years ago, I was diagnosed with early stage one colon cancer. So for many of those years, I have been teaching, preaching, uh, doing seminar facilitation. I've been on uh, different TV networks, radio, uh, magazine articles talking about how faith and spirituality can and should be incorporated uh, with good medical treatment and care of cancer. And uh, lo and behold, it was my turn. Uh, mm. As you said, uh, I did not choose that story. It chose me. But what I can certainly say is that uh, I was grateful for the opportunity uh, because I had been talking the talk of cancer, but now I had to walk the walk of cancer. Mm. And for so many years, uh, I've told people to trust and believe God and to expect good things to happen to them. And I needed to now demonstrate and 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 be that. And mm. I was prepared for that because of all of the years of rehearsal, if you will, for, mm. for spending time with people that I've prayed with and that I've loved on. And I'm grateful that God uh, saw fit. Uh, his grace is sufficient, has been sufficient. Mm. I'm on my third year anniversary. I am mm. doing well. I have a clear prognosis, no evidence of disease as we speak. Hallelujah. And so God is good. And I can tell that story from a, from a direct firsthand experience at this point now. That's just amazing. I know it's one thing, it's one thing to tell it. It's another thing to live it, isn't it? And yes, sometimes, it sometimes we have to reevaluate those things we've said and we preached it and now we had to preach it to ourselves. This might feel like even a strange question, but I've, I've, I had to ask this of myself, having been a two-time survivor of life-threatening illnesses, not cancer, but rare disorders that that shifted the trajectory of my life and challenged, like you said, do I really trust God the way that I've said I trust God? But what I'd like to know, Pastor P, is what would you say has been an unexpected blessing of cancer? Because we might hear the word cancer. Some of us don't even like to say the word, the C word. There's a lot of ways people talk about it. But but there are still blessings in disguise of sometimes the most painful experiences we go through. So maybe even speak personally, what have you seen to be an unexpected blessing from your own cancer diagnosis? Well, you're absolutely right. I actually have written um, a resource, a digital resource called Better Because of Cancer. Mm. I have well over 50 plus digital resources that speaks to all sorts of topics and people can access any of those resources free of charge. Uh, off of my website, off of health, hope, and inspiration.com. And one of those resources I wrote based upon my experience and speaking with literally hundreds and thousands of cancer patients is how cancer ultimately for many people turned out to be a blessing and mm. how it, it, it provided for them um, a renewed focus uh, around who they are mm. and who they are to God and who they can be because of God. Wow. Uh, for me personally, what I can certainly tell you is that uh, I've been very blessed and very fortunate. And what cancer certainly did for me as a blessing, it simply made me become more acutely associated with the audience that I've been speaking to for 20 mm. plus years. Yeah. In other words, I, you know, I'm now a member of the club mm. uh, for many years, many years. I would be asked in many different interviews, you know, have you ever been a uh, impacted by cancer. And I would always say, no, I've never had any real impact. It never really has 
affected me in any way. And it always felt a little off-putting because here I am talking to, preaching mm. to, and supporting cancer patients, yeah. hundreds, thousands of them. But uh, when, when I was diagnosed, I was not shocked, nor was I surprised, but I felt blessed. I felt honored because I now can say that I'm in the trenches with you and I know what that feels like. And I can, I can feel your pain. I can associate with your struggle mm. when you're told that you have cancer. There's nothing like having someone tell you, you have cancer. There is something that happens to you as a person that you cannot explain to another human being unless you have walked in those shoes. Wow. And so that was a blessing for me because this is and has been my life's work. I will not do anything else other than this unless the Lord tells me to. And to be able to look cancer patients in the eye. And for those who are listening to me right now, I know how you feel. Mm. I know what it is like to be told that you have cancer and to, and to sit on the other side of the doctor's desk mm. and, and process that and work through that and then align back to, okay, now what, Lord? What do we do now? Mm. Where do we go from here? I, that was a blessing for me because now I, was, I am able to associate and affiliate with that struggle and with that human dynamic to come back and say that God is everything that he's always promised and his mm. word is true and that you can stand tall and continue to expect uh, potentially good things to happen to you after being told that you have cancer. That was a blessing for me. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's encouraging for me to hear just because as pastors, you know, maybe every couple months, at least every quarter, we have someone, it feels like that we know, love, pastor, uh, diagnosed with cancer. And so we're, we're at multiple people's journeys at any particular yes. moment in time. And, you know, that's just not a small, uh, a small call to, to carry what you have been entrusted with from the Lord. So I appreciate you saying, listen, it's giving me greater compassion. My yes. husband and I have not personally been affected by cancer. Or we have not been diagnosed with it, but to hear you say that, I think anytime we walk through something, firsthand, whether it's losing a child or financial ruin or anything, you can fill in the blank. We are uniquely, if we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our life through that, we are uniquely yeah. positioned to minister to someone else because of that and through that. So we have to yield it. We have to let God use it, but you've been willing to do that. And that makes all the difference. So let's talk about what has been your life's work, because I, not only do we have people that might be encouraged by your story and need to hear some hope and encouragement for their own cancer journey, but you really have connected churches to how we can be more impactful. So whether you're listening today, guys, and you're a, a cancer survivor, or you know someone who's going through cancer, or you're a leader and you have influence in your local church, I want you to hear what Pastor P uh, does and, and how he makes such a difference in churches. So Pastor V, tell us what are some of, first of all, maybe what an impactful cancer care ministry should look like and some of the mistakes then that churches are making in our approach to caring for those with cancer, kind of the good and the bad of the situation that you see with churches. It's a great question. Over 20 years ago, I was led by God as a result of an experience bedside of a patient in our facility. I was still operating as a chaplain at that time. Uh, I was the director of chaplaincy over our Chicago facility. We have three facilities, CTCA Chicago, CTCA Atlanta, and CTCA Arizona. 
And so I was working out of the Chicago site. And um, as a result of, of uh, ministering with and to a patient who was doing very poorly, um, she came back about 30 days later to the facility and said, you know, Reverend McCray, I feel so much better. I'm doing so much better. And I, I am grateful for the medical care that I'm receiving here and treatment. But she said, I really do believe it was also in addition to the fact of what you guys are doing bedside inside of your facility from a ministry perspective that really made a big difference in my overall treatment and care. She could barely hold a pencil in her hand. She mm. could not walk under her own power. And 30 days later, she came back to the facility. We didn't recognize her. Wow. She asked me, would I be willing to sit down and speak with her local pastors and a group of uh, a consortium of pastors that he belonged to a ministerial alliance group. And she said, I just want you to share from a healthcare perspective, what, how to minister to cancer patients. I love my pastor. Uh, he's fantastic, but, but he really doesn't know what to say. Our church really didn't know what to do with me or for me. And that was something that I was missing that was supplemented when I came to Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Mm. That launched me into a direction of thinking and praying. And so I put together a PowerPoint presentation. And, mm -hmm. and since then, we now have a curriculum and a book and all types of online resources of what a cancer care ministry should look like. And ideally, first and foremost, there needs to be a very intentional space that is carved out within the framework of any local church, like the children's church, like uh, any other ministry inside of the local church that's dedicated to the idea of a group of people who are going to be available to speak to and address to anyone who was dealing with the, the mental, emotional, and physical and spiritual effects of having a can of, of being a cancer patient. Not just mm -hmm. we're praying for you, not just that we'll bring you a casserole, but we are very intentional inside of this local church that we are going to be able to minister to you and walk alongside of you. The word paraclete, holy uh, the word for the Holy Spirit yes. in the Greek, someone who walks alongside that that has some sort of uh, understanding about the dynamics of this disease. Well, that's the problem. Uh, the, the local church really was never provided any resources about the topic of cancer. So very much like uh, Mr. Ramsey with regard to finances or other ministry resources about uh, marriage enhancement, uh, there, need, there needed to be some resources provided to the local church about cancer care ministry. To your earlier point, Every local church on any given Sunday probably has one to two people on their prayer roster that's being asked to be prayed for because of cancer. Yes. And yet, uh, no real training, no real insight. So a local cancer care ministry inside of a local church looks like someone who first is basically leading that, uh, who is providing ongoing resources and support to a group of volunteers. That ministry should have a name that reflects what the ministry is there to do. Uh, again, we provide people with kind of some insight, our journey of hope. That's the name of the cancer care leadership training program, free that we provide to all local churches. But again, some type of name or title that affiliates with what we're doing in terms of providing hope or, or uh, support to people who are walking through the battle of cancer and then meeting on a regular basis, whether that's every other week whether that's monthly, someplace where cancer patients will, will have access to come and be 
part of kind of a fellowship of a, or a group of people that are praying with them, praying for them, or even allowing them to articulate what they're going through, what's happening to them. Mm. I struggled this week. I struggled this month. Uh, I got bad news and not wait for the cancer patient to just reach out to the church, but that the church now has created and carved out a space and time that's dedicated for this community and then provide uh, ongoing resources uh, to them. We have an online Facebook closed book page for mm -hmm. all of our, our Journey of Hope trained churches with resources that we upload every week uh, that people can access, read, download, testimonies. This then becomes kind of a framework inside of a local church that is committed to a title, a group, a leader, and space that is being provided for people who are walking through the battle of cancer every day inside of their local church. Mm, that's so helpful. I'm just honestly feeling very challenged because here we have pastored for almost 30 years. Our own family has been touched by cancer and yet we don't have an intentional approach to ministering mm -hmm. to cancer patients and their families and their loved ones. I would, I would assume pastor P that in that context, let's just say practically, we start a life group. That's what we call it. We have a marriage life group. Like you're saying, we've got just launched celebrate recovery. We've got, you know, a financial class. So we, but yet we have this vacuum. We just think somehow it's just automatically going to happen from the organic expression of, you know, community within a church. And it might, but why can't we be more intentional? So I, I'm personally challenged to see this launch in our own church so if, if this, would this be a rolling life group, for example, that you would launch, it would run throughout the year and anyone who's affected by cancer, mm -hmm. or do you recommend setting it at certain times and can their loved ones come, you know, a spouse, a, a sibling, how do you see this, this working best within a local church? It's a great question. And, and many local churches, and I think we're close to 3,000 churches that we've trained at this point, mm. uh, have variations of what they do and how they do it. But ideally, what we recommend, and again, you can configure uh, and, and situate this uh, in any way that, that, that you see fit, is I would suggest first and foremost having a kind of a scheduled, and, and if you want to start out, maybe a monthly uh, group that meets. Uh, we meet at the church every month or every mm. two weeks. At a certain time, uh, the, there's a facilitator that either can have a topic about cancer uh, that they can just share. And again, I want to remind you, I, I've written over 50 plus resources about various different topics. Uh, children whose parents have cancer, yes. finances and cancer, you know, dealing with fear, dealing with anxiety, et cetera. All of the things that are relevant to this uh, milieu you could take any one of those resources and use that as a topic for it, for a particular uh, meeting that you have wow. and invite the cancer community and their caregivers. You raise a good point, mm. Pastor, because we forget about the caregivers. Yes. And, we, and so we have a whole chapter dedicated called Caring for the Caregivers because mm. they too are struggling mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. They get burned out. They need to be ministered minister to as well. So the, can, uh, the cancer patient, their caregivers, their family members, I would suggest you can invite any of those folks to be part of your group settings. And again, I say dedicate a, uh, a time 
uh, so that people can know that we're going to be meeting, you know, every other Thursday or whatever, whatever that schedule would be, and then create a topic, get a guest speaker. You know, yeah. uh, I have I've spoken at many people's cancer care leadership uh, once they've started their cancer care ministry to talk about different elements and aspects of ministry around cancer patients. Invite a nurse. Invite a doctor from your local community. Invite a nutritionist. These are all relevant conversations that impact cancer patients. And so, but the problem is, to your earlier point, the reason why the local church has not been intentional is because of the reputation of cancer. We've been afraid of cancer. We've been afraid to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And as a result, we never really, um, we re we never really committed ourselves to the agency of talking about cancer. Mm -hmm. And that is the reason why we started this entire ministry very much like, again, finances, marriage, recovery, because the local church and the local pastor doesn't know everything. That's yes. not part of your training in seminar, a yes. seminary or in Bible college. Mm. There, you, you had no classes about cancer care or healthcare ministry. That was not part of your, your training. So we, we created that to fill that void and to provide that information in that space that then you can plug into your local church and then you can implement and execute it uh, any way really that you see fit. But I would say start out on a monthly basis or start out bi-monthly with a group, have a training or not a training, but have a, a conversation yes. and then allow cancer care uh, concepts to be discussed, hospital visitation. Um, and when we bring food, things that we should be aware of, uh, food allergies. Uh, mm. All There's a plethora of things wow. to understand about this community that we just simply did not avail ourselves to or was not made available to us. Mm, that's just so good. I just, I, I'm, I'm honestly so excited to just talk with my husband after we get off this call and say, let's get this rolling. Because number one, not only is it a blessing to your own church community, but think about people within the community that may not even be a part of a, a faith-based organization or a church. And they could be a part of this and feel like, hey, I've got to play a safe space. They're also going to receive biblical encouragement and hope. And I'm so thankful because as a pastor and, and being in church full-time ministry my whole life, um, it is it is frustrating, Pastor Pete, to see these areas that we've stigmatized. Oh, we can't have a counseling program. Oh, the Bible is everything you need. Oh, we can't have a cancer program because we don't talk about that. Oh, we can't have a mental health, mental illness and mental health approach. I mean, every topic you're talking about is in scripture. So we've got mm -hmm. to stop stigmatizing these particular topics to where somehow if we, if we don't talk about them, they don't exist or, right. and, 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 and we're providing then poor care or no care uh, other than a quick prayer on a Sunday morning, or we shoot it out in an email rather than like, we want right. to live with you through what you're going through. God is with us. You know, he's Emmanuel with us in the middle of our suffering. And so we have to just admit that, you know, what's the reason we haven't done it. Maybe we just don't even know that it, that these resources exist. I struggle to even get the word caregiver. You summed up what I tried to say in three sentences and you said caregiver. That shows me that I'm not even using that language in my mm -hmm. own conversation, which is awareness on my part. I might call them a loved one or this, but these are caregivers. And I know the toll it took on my husband, Pastor P, when I was ill, not with cancer, but with another rare disease. And 
you know, my kids were young and he's trying to pastor a church and take care of a yeah. wife. And, you know, it is a toll. And sometimes I've said to people, you know, my husband can talk with your husband because he knows firsthand what that's like to walk through and be a caregiver and walk through loving a spouse through illness. So I'm just grateful that God has called you to this space. And I was doing the math in my head. If you've created 50 resources and you only even have a monthly group, you've got a minimum of four years worth, even if you change <laughs> topics every month, just with what you offer and taking different angles of that. So I hope that that not only has provided encouragement for some of us, but there's some practice. I wanted to make sure people get off this call and know here's step A and step B. Tell us your website again, Pastor P, because I know you mm -hmm. said it quickly. I'm going to put it in my show notes, but people that are listening or in their car or wherever you are right now, and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I really want to take the next step. Where can they go to access all of these amazing resources? Yep. So the program is called Our Journey of Hope. All one word, all lowercase. And that's the website, Our Journey, not the journey, not a journey, ourjourneyofhope.com. And mm -hmm. that'll take you to our webpage. It'll take you, uh, you can um, navigate to the uh, schedule where you can literally sign up for any virtual, all of our classes are virtual. Hmm. So uh, you can just get right on your computer and do uh, what needs to be done. All of the resources are all online, will be digitally made available to you where you can download them, you can print them, and you can do whatever you need to do uh, once you, you, know, you get out of the class uh, and to your cohort. And you will have access to a plethora of online resources. Uh, so it's ourjourneyofhope.com. And I also want to make the point, because you, you made a great point earlier today. According to the American Cancer Society and most of the national cancer registries, uh, one out of three people are estimated to be diagnosed with cancer at some point in their lifetime. Mm -hmm. So I want you to think about wow. any time that you're at dinner, that you're out somewhere publicly, just count every third person. Mm. potentially that's someone that may be being diagnosed with cancer. And I think the number is 38% uh, of, of, the, of the population at some point potentially will be diagnosed with cancer. Now, that's the bad news. The good news is that we now see more people who are living and surviving with a cancer diagnosis. And this is the reason why the local church is so important in mm. having a cancer care ministry, because we now, this, this uh, cancer can be is a disease that in many cases can be managed as a chronic disease now, like diabetes, like high blood pressure. Mm -hmm. yes. So everyone is not dying from cancer, but they may still be struggling with body, a loss of a body part, uh, sure. loss of hair, image issues, low self-esteem. How about this? Marriages that are breaking up because of the stress of cancer, mm. uh, sexual issues yeah. as a result of men with prostate cancer, mm. women uh, who've had breast cancer. These are all real places and those are all real people and they all sit inside of everyday churches. Mm. So Matthew 25 sums this up best. It gives us the mandate that if there's someone that is hungry among you, someone uh, that is thirsty among you, someone that is in prison, or someone that is in, uh, sick or naked, we are supposed to be addressing their issues and their needs. Mm -hmm. And Jesus said, when you take care of the least of them, you've done this as unto me. So we have a mandate. The, the dynamic to your point is now, 
Where do we find resources that equips us, empowers us so that we can have a confidence to say, now we're going to meet the needs of this particular group of people. But before COVID, think about this. Cancer was the number one conversation in America wow. from a healthcare perspective before COVID took place. Wow. And now that COVID is subsiding, the cancer numbers and incidents are rising again. And we need to be in place and prepared as a local community of people. And to your point, not just to those inside of our church, but those who live outside of our congregation in our neighborhood can be a great resource to be made available to those who are struggling and dealing with the effects of mm. cancer. So it's so helpful. And, and I have read those statistics. A lot of people didn't go get their cancer screenings. That's correct. During, during COVID or the hospitals were really stringent That's on right. who we were seeing or canceling appointments. And so you saw us coming out of COVID and people were going back and getting their kind of routine. Correct. And I don't want to speak, this is your space, but that's just what we experienced in our neck of the woods out here was, oh my goodness, now all this, where's all this cancer coming from? It's just that people weren't even getting their normal, and I'm sure you would advocate for that. Get your normal screens. We're seeing, you know, rises, increases in cancer among children. I, I've recently seen those statistics. I'm sure you would speak to maybe why that's the case. And that might be a whole nother conversation. But just in this last question here, before we wrap up, what what encouragement do you have for people so that we can be as preventative as possible? And I appreciate you're speaking. You're in this space of once the diagnosis has happened. But Cancer Centers for America, I'm sure, is advocating for the most we can do as far as prevention, awareness. And just because we're people of faith and believers does not excuse us for taking care of our bodies and being intentional about the steps we need to take preventatively. So what would be our best tips for for being preventative before we get into these situations? Listen, you, 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 you preached the message, sister. You, 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 you nailed it. Oh. And so I will reiterate, uh, and this is important, and I've preached, I've preached this in churches. Yes, we are people of faith. Yes, we believe in the divine power of healing that, that has been advocated on our behalf. But we, have, we still have a responsibility to take care of, think about this. Some of us take better care of our cars and mm. our homes than we do our physical bodies. Wow. In, in terms of the way that we eat, in terms of physical exercise, and in terms of maintenance care. The Bible says that this body is the temple of the Holy Spirit mm. and that we are responsible to making sure that this temple is being maintained correctly. That means that we need to have a relationship. Every person of faith that calls upon the name of the Lord should have a, an attending physician a family practitioner that they are doing regular checkups with, that when we get to a certain point from an age perspective, that we are doing certain diagnostic scans. The reason why my cancer was caught so early, stage one, I had only one third of my colon removed. So I tell people they can call me uh, pastor semicolon. But, uh, (laughs) you know, (laughs) my doctor told me had I waited another three months or four months, we would have had a very different conversation because that I went and had a colonoscopy. So we colonoscopies, endoscopies, that's the scope going down, looking inside of the upper GI area. For men with prostate cancer, we need to have prostate examinations and uh, and do those things. Women, we need to have our, you know, our breast examinations, our pap smears, 
None of these things are not being people of faith. I want to say it again because we get this confused in our minds that if I'm trusting God and if I'm walking by faith, why do I need to do any of that? Mm -hmm. Because our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and it needs to be maintained like your car. You don't pray that your car starts when you don't have gas in it you go put gasoline in your vehicle that's right you don't pray that you you don't pray that the oil will replenish itself when it gets dirty you get it changed Mm -hmm. so we need to think about our bodies very much like our houses like our cars they need to be maintenance they need to be checked upon they need to be uh, uh looked over and things need to be done to them and when we incorporate that with our faith we give God something to work with now versus needing a miracle later on down the line, as was my situation. Mm. I did a very simple scope. I had a procedure. We prayed over that process. Here I am three years later and I'm doing well, but that could have been a very different conversation had mm. I not done so. So please go to your doctor. Please have a relationship with your doctor and please do your annual examinations accordingly. They save lives and they make a difference in the lives of all people and including God's people. Mm, That's so good. That put that on a billboard, everything you just said for the last three minutes, because there's a friend of ours. It's he's now the assemblies of God superintendent in Ghana. And he preached at our church once. And he said, God will not do by miracle what you must do by responsibility. Okay. And I never forgot it. Now, will God do a miracle because he's gracious and merciful and all those things? Yes, he will. But what you're speaking to, Pastor P, is we've been given this one body, this one temple. And that's very convicting, but true. Some of us take better care of our dogs, our pets, our our houses, our boat, our whatever. You know, I we, go we, to- some of us feed some of us feed our pets better than we eat. <laughs> that's so it. true. And then we're, then we're wanting prayer for our sickness and our, this, and I'm not saying all sicknesses. I I, want to be, I'm going to be sensitive theologically, but what I'm saying is we do have a role to play. Let's be as responsible as we can be with stewarding. This is a stewardship principle we're talking about. It's stewarding our finances, stewarding our health, stewing at our time, stewarding our money. Any one of those things can go off the rails. And when they do, it's really hard to live an integrated life of right. faith because one one area is just completely out of whack. And then you're trying so hard to keep the car moving, but you've got a wheel off financially or a wheel off relationally. So all of these areas matter. Our health matters. My husband and I exercise. We go to the gym. You know, yeah. we eat well. We yeah respect the boundaries of sleep. I mean, just these practical things that sometimes we don't do as Christians, as people of faith. And and then we want God to just kind of slap some miracle bandaid over top of what has been really poor stewardship. So their election of duty, their election of our responsibilities and duties. That's true. So this integration of faith and health is a necessary conversation. It's, it's sadly maybe very late to the party, but mental health, physical health, emotional health, these are all very necessary topics. And we've covered all of them here on the podcast. And I do it on purpose, because if we're going to make life matter, then we're not going to only do that in one sphere. We've got to look at all of these components and integrate our faith, not compartmentalize it, but integrate it into every area of our life. And and this is not to to condemn anyone today. This is to say, 
you feel convicted, oh my goodness, myself included, we don't have as an intentional program as we could have a framework for our cancer community. Let's do better at this. Oh my goodness, I haven't been a great steward of my body or my time or my resources. Just awareness means then Holy Spirit, what do I do about it? What is my next step that you want me to take? So he convicts only to to lead us into greater freedom. It's condemnation comes from our own voice and from the enemy. So we don't want you to feel condemned today, but we would, we do want us to feel equipped to move forward in whatever journey you're on in what everything we're talking about today. So pastor P I'm so grateful for not only what God has called you to, but the way you've stewarded even your pain and your challenges, because that's another thing we have to steward is our suffering, our adversity. How well have we stewarded even those things that God has said, all right, Pastor P, you've been teaching this a long time. Now you're going to walk through it and I'm going to give you a new dimension and a new revelation. I remember yeah. um, leading worship somewhere a few years ago and I shared parts of my story and someone came up to me afterwards and he said, you have seen sides of God's character that I have only ever read about. Mm. And so that was, I, I haven't forgotten that to think I've read yeah. about that. Job even said, you know, my ears had heard of him and now my eyes have seen him. Yeah. There yeah. is something transformative that happens in our life when, when suffering, when adversity, when yeah. something enters our life that we didn't necessarily want to be part of our story. It can be transformative, not only for our good, but yeah. for God's glory, if we'll surrender it. So I just want to thank you for the way that you've let God steward your story. So one last question before we wrap up is you're inspiring so many people, including us today to make life matter, but other than Jesus, because you're, this is your space, biblical theology. I know you've got a lot of people in the Bible. You probably look to, but who's that one person, pastor P that has inspired you to make life matter more than anyone else. Wow. It's two people, and they both have the same basic personality and dynamic about them. Okay. And that is the Apostle Peter, and that's the Apostle Paul. Mm. And as you know, uh, as a pastor and, and being a student of theology, because of the dynamic of their personality, they, had, they were both type A personalities, that when they, when they made their mind up about being focused on what it is that they were going to do, they let nothing deter them. And they actually butted heads with each other, as you, as many well know. Uh, <laughs> they debated about some the- theological issues at, at one point. But what I, but both of those characters inspire me to be is to be steadfast. Mm. They, they were all or nothing. They were one hundred percenters. They gave everything that they have. Mm. Uh, Peter was kind of a, a rude, kind of crude fisherman, but he, but he gave everything that he had. He was all in. And when he felt something, when he thought something, he said something. He spoke from the heart. Even times when Jesus himself had to correct Peter and had to kind of talk him down a little bit, yeah. he understood. But but Peter is referred to as the disciple that Jesus loved the most. Oh, wow. Because Peter was honest and he was pure. Yeah. He was there were times that he was wrong mm-hmm. and needed to be corrected, but there was a purity of intent. Mm-hmm. And the same is true about the Apostle Paul, that before he was Paul, he was Saul, and he had, there was a purity of his intentionality. And when that got diverted back to the things of God, well, he only wrote three quarters of the New Testament. So with that being said, 
Uh, I relate to both of those guys. They remind me a lot of myself and they inspire me to be 100 percenters. I'm all in or I'm not in at all. And that is who I am and who I attempt to be every day. And so that's why when I was told that I had cancer, I said, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be a 100 percenter. I'm all in and I'm not abandoning this community. And I take this as an opportunity and a commitment to be better prepared, more inspired, uh, more empathetic to the cancer community to say, I, like Jesus said, am touched by the feelings of your infirmity. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much. Wow. And if you pass it to church, I'd have to be asking my husband if I could go across town (laughs) and sit under your teaching because it's just been so much truth. And he would say once in a blue moon, you can go do (laughs) any But I just so appreciate the way that you are. I, I just started graduate work. I'm doing my master's of leadership in ministry. So I just started within the last month. And uh, and so this integration of, of theology and practical life and application, that's where this master's is really living. And so yeah. that's what I appreciate about what has come through so profoundly and everything you've said today is let's marry the theology of what we say yeah. we believe with the yeah. practicality of how we're going to live it out, especially yeah. when things happen that might not have been what we wanted. God is still the same God and he's able to use everything that we surrender to him in obedience. So it sounds like we could preach to each other all day. So I better stop there. <laughs> we're going to be here another hour, but I just appreciate it so much. And uh, I'm personally very excited to take the resources that God has given you to to write and to craft and to bless our own local community here in Virginia near the DC area. So thank you, Pastor P. And I would love for you to just pray of our listeners as we close today. I'll do that. With that being said, pray with me now. Father God, we thank you, Lord, as always, for the privilege and the opportunity to pray. And we know that you hear us when we pray. And so today we, for every individual that's under the sound of our voice that's listening right now, For those who may be just being diagnosed with cancer for the first time or who are in the midst of a cancer diagnosis or connected to someone with a cancer diagnosis, today we send forth the words of health, hope, and inspiration to them to remind them that you are not done with them and that, Father, that you will uphold them and that you will lift them up and that you will keep them covered And that as they journey, as they walk through this process, that whatever uh, amount of suffering or pain or discomfort that they may feel or experience, that at another point in time, you will be able to take that and use it for your glory, that you will be able to elongate them uh, in in the marketplace with their family, with their friends, with their loved ones. And so today we cover them from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet. That every gland, tissue, organ, molecule, every atom and every cell in their body is being touched by your healing virtue and power. That through the power of prayer and modern medicine and science and nutrition, that they will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord all the days of their lives. This today is our prayer and our cry. In the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ, we do pray and say, amen. Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. 
Connect with me at AngelaDenadio.com, Facebook at AngelaDenadioVOV, and Instagram at AngelaDenadio. Until next week, let's make life matter.